What sin has a grip on you? Anger? Impatience? Greed? Self-centeredness? You can't tame your tongue? You're envious. Lustful? Lazy? Maybe you're frequently unable to keep your commitments, or you often don't speak the truth. Well, we've all got something that shows up over and over, causing grief for us and for others in our lives. And I think it was Romans 6.14 that first took root in my mind and sparked the idea that I didn't have to sin. So listen to it from the New Living Translation. It says, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Hmm. So sin wasn't inevitable. It was, in fact, a choice I made in the moment. Now that's both the good news and the bad news. It's good news because there is so much hope and so much promised freedom, so much possible transformation in that one verse. We live under the freedom of God's grace. But the bad news was that I kept making the choice to sin. I'm Kelly J. Grace, and this is Divine Connections, a podcast about connecting the truth you believe to the life you really live. You're listening to Episode 7, How to Quit Any Sin. Of the 13 life lessons that I'm sharing in this debut series, I've used this one more frequently in my everyday life over the past 50 years that I've walked with God than any other. Today, I'm sharing with you how you can have victory over sin. Now, that's kind of old school terminology. Today, we'd call it winning over sin. I don't care what you call it, but I do care that you start experiencing it. And here is the real reason that you and I are held in the grip of any sin. We love it. (laughs) It's just that simple. We only commit the sins we love. I'm going to say that again. We only commit the sins we love. The Bible says there is pleasure in sin for a season. And so for some amount of time, it's that pleasure that we get from it that we're addicted to. Some kind of payoff that keeps us making the same unrighteous choice. Now, I'm going to illustrate this with another example from my own life. I want you to think back. Do you remember my 1970s Harvest Gold kitchen that I told you about? The one that I stood in that day when I decided to take charge of my own life and stop trusting God's plan? Well, this is another life lesson (laughs) that began in that kitchen. That kitchen was pivotal to my Christian life, by the way. But I had just given um, my two youngest kids one still in a high chair, their breakfast. And I had walked over to the upper cabinet to put the sugar bowl away. And I heard all of a sudden this loud glug, glug, glugging kind of sound. And I turned to see a brand new entire half gallon carton of milk draining out off of the kitchen table onto the kitchen floor. 
and in an instant I was swept up in this volcanic anger, and I slammed the cabinet door with such force that it bounced right back and hit me. The very, the lower corner of it that's so super sharp hit me right in the center of my forehead, and tears immediately, instantly sprang to my eyes, and then I heard the the comfort of the Holy Spirit speak to me, and I'm sure I had read the verse recently or, you know, whatever. It had stuck in my mind, and it says, don't be hasty in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Wait, hold on one minute. You know, I thought Jesus called the Holy Spirit another comforter. Well, this did not feel comforting. This felt like correction. And it was correction. And that's exactly what I needed at that moment in time. I needed accountability, not sympathy. Because any mother of small kids will tell you The kids try your patience. Kids make messes almost constantly. And kids can push you to the edge of crazy if you're not grown up enough to control your own reactions. Now, I'm not blaming kids. Kids are kids. Messes happen. Here's the question. How are we planning on coping in the moment when the inevitable mess or inconvenience or disobedience or whatever happens, how are we going to react? Now, I've always been what we call a hot reactor. Okay, so was my dad. And all my life, I've heard, you're just like your dad. Now, we all loved my dad, and we thought he was a great guy, but not perfect. And his temper was his Achilles heel. He never, ever directed it at us kids or at my mom. But boy, if the TV acted up, he'd pound on it with his fist. Or if he banged his head on a pipe in the crawl space under a house, my dad was a plumber, by the way. If he banged his head on a pipe, he'd most likely swear like the sailor he had been during World War II. So I'd always known and basically thought two things. I got my brown eyes and my temper from my dad. Neither one were my fault. Both were unchangeable, right? Wrong. Wrong. My eyes weren't a choice I made, but my temper was. God could and would help me to change my choices. Now, later that morning, when my youngest was napping and my other one was playing with these big red blocks that he had, I grabbed my Bible and I began thumbing through Proverbs because I thought that verse was probably in Proverbs. But I finally found the scripture that I had heard. And it was over in Ecclesiastes 7.9. Now, here's how the message version paraphrases it. It says, don't be quick to fly off the handle. Anger boomerangs. You can spot a fool by the lumps on his head. (laughs) I had to laugh at that. Could you also spot a fool because she's got a big dent and a bruise in her forehead? Well, that was me. But here's the thing that I noticed that day. Uh, there was this tiny little letter A next to verse 9, and that little letter was what I later learned was a cross-reference. It tells you to go to another verse in Scripture. And so I turned over to James 1.19, and 
You know, honestly, I had never noticed those little letters before, but this day, that day that I got bonked in the forehead, I also got a wake-up call from the Holy Spirit, a little little class here in how to really get the most out of my Bible. And the Bible I was looking at was a study Bible, and maybe that's why I had never seen those little cross-references before. Maybe I wasn't reading a Bible that had them in it, but I had bought this one in a local Christian bookstore, and I really bought it simply because the woman who helped me that day said it was her favorite. So God was in that decision, though, because those little cross-references, oh my goodness, those became such a gold mine for me. They taught me how to do what's called a word study. And that Bible study technique has proved to be super, super valuable in learning how to quit any sin. So here's an uncomfortable truth. As I said, we only commit the sins that we love. There's some kind of pleasure, some kind of payoff in it, but it cannot produce the righteousness of God, whether it's anger, lust, dishonesty, envy, laziness, and so on, and so on, and so on. That's what James tells us, is that the anger of man does not and cannot work the righteousness of God. Now, here's another principle we have to kind of wrap around this, and this comes from Proverbs 8.13, and it says that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Okay, that's, that is a game changer. In, if you want to quit a sin, you have got to learn how to hate that sin, not love it. That is the pivotal move. Again, we're going to call this, if you're keeping a list of those pro tips I'm giving you, this is a pro tip for any Christian. When you are held in the grip of some kind of sin and you really do want to get rid of it, you want to get out from under it, get free of it, you want to win instead of lose over and over again where that sin is concerned, then you have got to learn to hate that sin, not love it. And I asked myself that day, is this even possible? I mean, remember, I had always believed, oh, I'm a hot reactor. I, I, have, to, I have to act out in anger every time I feel it. No, 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 no. In fact, later on, I learned another scripture, and it says, be angry and sin not. Okay, so that's actually the option for us. Be lustful and sin not. Be tempted to do whatever and sin not. You and I can say no. I just want to share with you three simple steps. These are so easy for us to do if we really want to stop sinning any particular sin you know, and of course, I'm going to give you the spiel. You need to go to the Lord and pray, and the Holy Spirit will start convicting you of an area of your life that you've allowed to be unchecked. And now you're going to take God's word and God seriously, and you're going to make some headway in this. So here are three easy steps. Step number one, discover what God says about your specific sin. Look up 10 to 20 verses of scripture, or hey, look up every single scripture in the Bible that mentions the sin you struggle with. My particular sin of anger, there's plenty. There is plenty in the Bible about anger, and it, the here's the horrifying thing I found out. A whole bunch of it 
connects being angry to being a fool. So I used a huge, big green book that I had called Strong's Exhaustive Concordance to look these words, to look up the scriptures that had the word anger in them. Now it's exhausted because the book weighed a ton, but also because it had every single use of a word in all of scripture, the Old and the New Testament. I could find out every single thing God has said about anger if I was just willing to do the research and the reading. This was Bible study with a clear intention of applying the truth to my real life. I was setting out to investigate what God thought about my anger with the actual intention of being able to overcome it. And that Strong's Concordance was going to be my constant friend and guide for many, many years to come. In fact, finally, the hardback cover of that thing fell off from so much use. Now, I told you I'm a Bible teacher, so I used it for tons of Bible study stuff too. But here's the good news I have for you today. You can find a completely free version of Strong's Exhaustive Concordance online. And you'll go to blueletterbible.org. So https semicolon forward slash forward slash blueletterbible.org. And there you will find the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. Now, the other thing is I found a great little... Um, YouTube tutorial. So I want you just to go to YouTube and put in the search bar, Blue Letter Bible Tutorial. And you'll see there, there are several ones, but there's one in particular with a guy who's got like a teal green um, t-shirt on. And in blue, it says Blue Letter Bible App Bible Study Tool. He's going to walk you through if, if you need it. I mean, you may go Maybe you're pretty tech savvy. You may go on the website and figure it out right away. Either way, I want you to figure out by using blueletterbible.org and the Strong's Concordance feature that's in there, what you'll find the meaning of the word that describes your sin. Maybe, maybe you're lazy. Maybe sloth is your sin. And you're going to look that up. Oh my goodness, you're going to get your eyes opened to what God says about that. So step number one is to discover what God says about your sin. Step number two, I want you to memorize and hopefully meditate a few of these, meditate on a few of these verses that speak to you the most or that kind of stand out to you. I, again, my feeling about this is you'll read some of these verses and the Holy Spirit kind of brings that highlighter effect to it, and they really pop off the page, and they resonate with you. Maybe they are super, super convicting. The more convicting, the better, because that's the motivation for us. As I told you, for me, the idea of being a fool was really horrendous, and honestly, it was kind of appalling to me. I did not want to be a fool, but many of the verses about anger tied it to the behavior and the characteristics of a fool. And you know what I recognized is that God was already at work changing my mind about my anger by shedding a whole lot of divine light on the topic. So again, 
Step number two is to let the Word of God find a permanent home in your heart and mind relating to that sin. Okay, step number three. I want you to claim two of the promises from James 1, 21 to 25. So listen to James chapter 1, verses 21 to 25, and then we'll highlight the two promises. James says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God as planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, but you walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and you don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Okay, again, that passage is James 1, verses 21 to 25. And I want you to, if you open a Bible and look at it, I want you to note that verse 21 and 25 are promises, but they are both conditional promises. They're promises that depend on you and I doing something. Now, I don't know if you know it, but the kings of Israel were commanded to write their own copy of the scriptures. And then they were commanded to read them often. And I suggested that you write out by hand the verses that speak to you the loudest about your sin. And we know from research that there is something about our handwriting and placing memory into permanent memory banks. It's like you and I are, we are writing it on our own hard drive. And it's one of the first steps I think, to effective memorization of Scripture. So handwrite a couple of those truths out and then <clears throat> review them morning and night. Just do that for a week or two weeks, and I think you will begin to see that that truth has taken root in your heart and your mind, and you will come to know the truth. And what do we say? The truth will set you free. Now, there are two more powerful truths to add to those three short steps. Because James 4, 7 tells us that if we resist Satan, he'll flee from us. And anytime we are talking about temptation to sin in our life, we're talking about spiritual warfare. Because we have an enemy. We have our own flesh, sure, that has plenty of um, inclination or propensity to sin. We live in a world that often tempts us as well. but we also have an enemy. So those three things, the world, our own flesh, and the devil are conspiring against us. And the way we're going to short circuit Satan's part in this is we are going to actively resist him. The Bible says if you resist Satan, he will flee from you. This is in its most basic form, spiritual warfare. Resist Satan and he'll flee from you. You're taking back ground and he's not going to give it up without a fight. 
but he cannot stand against God's word. He cannot prevail over us when you and I embrace God's word. So that's the first principle. And then here's why. This is Isaiah 55, verses 6 to 11. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So good, so good. God's word, God's word is a gift to you, my friend. It is a gift. Will you join me in prayer? Father, forgive us our sins, but also help us to grow continually stronger in resisting them. Show us how to use the weapons of our warfare to fight and to gain victory over our own flesh and our enemy. Lord, thank you for your word, for the sword of the Spirit that feeds our souls, that purifies our minds, and purifies our hearts. You promise that your word won't return to you void, but it will accomplish what you please. It will prosper in that thing for which you sent it. And Father, to that, we can only say, Amen. Okay, well, next time we are talking about sacred sex. <laughs> Maybe you've heard that the top three areas of conflict in marriage are money, parenting, and sex. Well, I'm going to share with you some great resources about married sex. And as always, I'm going to give you some scriptural truth and then some suggestions of how you can connect divine truth to this sometimes problematic area of married life. So come on over to Instagram and say hello. I'm at Kelly J. Grace or visit the website kellyjgrace.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, would you please help spread the word by telling a few friends about it? I would appreciate that so much. And once again, thank you. Thank you for listening. My prayer is that this will help you with some area that you have kind of felt has got you in its grip. You're under the thumb of some sin, and I want to see you walk in freedom in it. So I will see you next time. <laughs>